Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i'm brandon aka brandon hope you're well dot 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 in this 2022 welcome my guest is a fellow arkansan who hosts the great youtube-based film review show tavern talk where he reviews the biggest movie releases each week with a different guest offering varied and interesting perspectives on films right after having experienced them on the big screen, along with having his own film-centered website, reviewsfromabed.com. Please welcome Vandy Price. Welcome. Hey, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. I don't know why I'm speaking this weird cadence. Taking the time. Yeah, thank you again for doing it. Again, I appreciate your time. I know that we know, you know, small town Arkansas and all that, but we know some of the same people and uh, right. have the same interests. So it's kind of like, you know, eventually you'll probably circle each other in this small town Arkansas at some point. So I feel in that regard, you know, this was kind of a long time coming that we'd be doing this. I know as soon as I uh, like, I don't, I can't remember, you know, it's, it's, uh, we'll talk about the show I do and stuff, but um, a co- the co- one of the coolest parts of it is getting to know um, just more of the people in the film community in central Arkansas, yeah. learning that it's a lot bigger than I initially thought it was, and uh, which is cool. And yeah, you just start to connect with a whole lot of different people uh, that have these same interests as you, um, which is great. And yeah, just uh, I can't even remember who it was exactly, but somebody recommended your podcast and said you were really into movies and everything. And I was like, oh, I'll have to, because every time somebody shows up or a guest shows up, um, I'm usually meeting them for the first time when we see the movie together. Yeah. Afterwards, you know, after we kind of develop a rapport or whatever, I will be like, yeah, if you know anybody um, that you think would enjoy this, would be good for this, uh, would be good for a particular movie, um, let me know. So I'm, I'm, I'm always asking for recommendations. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. I've, you know, been following you for a little bit now and I love seeing everybody else's like viewing habits and everything. I don't know if that sounds yeah. weird, uh, but it's, yeah, it's cool to just kind of sit down and, and not have necessarily an agenda, but just kind of talk about movies and what we're doing. No, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean though. Like I always, I always like seeing what people are watching just out of like curiosity. Just, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing that like, um, it reminds me of like just, I guess in a pre-COVID time, just going to somebody's house and then you see like the movies they have and it gives you an immediate sense of them, you know? And I, I love that a lot because it's like such a shorthand for that. And movies are so obviously so ubiquitous and so part of the cultural zeitgeist that everybody has a favorite movie, right? you know? So as somebody who used to work at Blockbuster, <laughs> that you really got an idea of people's tendencies and what they were. And it really, you know, once you got to know some of the customers too, that you realize oh, that can be very reflective of their personality. So it can be an indicator, you know, in its own right, I think. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, I remember. Um, that's a great way to put it. I have never really thought about that, but um, it was fascinating, like going over to friends or, you know, friends of my parents' houses uh, when I was little and just seeing, you know, because and it was a lot more um, like prominent back then to have VHS tapes lined up under your yeah. TV in the, you know, in the stand that your TV was on because TVs <laughs> weren't as big as they are now either. And you just have a row of spines of VHS tapes and be like, oh, what are you into? Oh, you got Godzilla? Oh, man. Okay. 98, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, I'm not trashing any of the classic Godzillas. It was just like, I'm thinking back to that time period. It was like, oh, Ghostbusters, cool. Oh, the, oh, you got Godzilla too. Cool. Okay. I see where you're going though. That dumbass movie. movie. <laughs> I, uh, I have a visceral response to it just because every time I think of that movie, 
I think of it's Tatopoulos, that runner of a joke of like, he's got a Greek name and people mispronounce it. And like, that's the comedy. In that that's the, you know what I think of when I uh, think of that movie? And I mean, only exactly. like locals will probably appreciate this, but I think of the uh, Tandy 10 because that is where I saw it. Yeah. yeah. So many movies from my youth. And I just I'm like, dang, I'm, I, you know, I just love that theater, but uh, it's gone now. So uh, Yeah. And Tandy 10 for people is a, was a dot just a dollar theater yes. that I saw the craft there like four times. <laughs> I was gonna say, would you do like multiples in a day? Would you just go and like see? Yeah, yeah, it was just great for that. And I would sneak in sometimes because I was you know a teenager or uh, younger even, and it, I felt bad because I was like, this is a dollar, but also like nobody's around, <laughs> and I'm just dollar. gonna walk into yeah. an R-rated movie because they wouldn't let me buy a ticket anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like I. It's also, though, too, like, I've, I've snuck into a few, like, quite literally a few, not in a few meaning a thousand different movies, but I, I've snuck into a few, but it's like, it's like reading a magazine at, like, the dentist's office. It's just, you know, it's like, if you paid for that magazine, you're like, oh, this isn't as good a magazine as I thought it was when I was reading it for free, waiting for a god-awful dental work to happen. So, you know, it makes it a little bit better, but also, like, I guess a dollar being a dollar, although a dollar at that age, was a lot more than a dollar. At least it felt like it. That so, and also, like, you know. it, on the flip side, it would, you know, if it was just sitting there for me and I, you know, it was my day off or if it was like I was 13 or 14 and my mom had just dropped me off for the day or something while she ran errands, uh, you know, I might go see something I wouldn't have typically, like, been into. Like, I, I feel like I remember going to see something I wanted to see first and then, like, across the hall was Moulin Rouge, and I was just like, oh, I guess I'll check that out. It starts in five minutes. And so, you know, and I had no idea at the time as a 12, 13 year old who Baz Luhrmann was. I'm, I say that out loud. Now I'm questioning it. That is right. Right. Is it Baz Luhrmann? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, I didn't know who he was at the time. Probably didn't even know who Ewan McGregor was. No, that's a lie. Because that was, was that pre or post the uh, Star Wars? I don't even remember at this point. Moulin Rouge was the same year. I th- Well, no, no, no. So, 99, I believe, was episode one, and Moulin Rouge was, I think, 2001. 2001. Okay, yeah. So, maybe I did. Maybe that was my, maybe that was like, oh, Obi-Wan's in it. I guess I'll go see what it's about. But, yeah, like, and I'm sure that happened a couple of times. Like, I I know later, uh, as I got a little bit older and stuff, um, you know, I, I remember seeing things like The Queen and Atonement, stuff that I wouldn't have even cared about when I was younger, like, yeah. I would go see those because I could, I did have access to them on a big screen for a dollar, which is just a crazy concept now. It really is, <laughs> and well, it, it's crazy to the point where you know here we have a theater by the name of Riverdale, and you can see a movie for like nine dollars and fifty cents, and that it's like a video game being like twenty dollars. You're like, oh, this is basically free because there is just so much cheaper relative to the norm that it just feels like a complete win, you know? Oh yeah. So I guess the idea now, thinking about it, of just in the last, especially the last two years, how the theater experience is going to be so dramatic, dramatically different. We're going to have a regression in the number of theaters, although we already have, and that they're going to come back to a certain extent, but presumably not to the degree that they were pre-pandemic. But my point of of the doom and gloom factor is just that the idea of a dollar theater thriving, let alone something where (laughs) they're charging you full price for a thing where they only get a small percentage, if at all, of the box office at all, you know, it's a wild idea that they ever existed in retrospect. Right. And we should point out, like, it wasn't like first day of release, you could go see these for a dollar. Like, this was, 
this was basically the equivalent to um you know it's probably they show they probably show up on streaming even sooner now than they would have at the dollar theater back then see like, i think like three months or yeah. or more yeah. whereas like it's a 90 day window for a lot of vod yeah. stuff <laughs> you know it's which is wild because it would have been like a year for vhs's if not more you know oh, previous sure. to that which is you know the the windows i mean that is one thing during in the last two years that the the release window i mean like by the way like yesterday i think ghostbusters afterlife is available for vod rental Right, and it doesn't even come yeah. out on Blu-ray until I think the beginning of February. So, like a month ahead of physical release, you can. It's it's wild. Now, granted, they're twenty dollars to rent. I was gonna say, I think <laughs> it's. Is it just renting for twenty bucks? You can buy it. Yeah, yeah I think it is ownership. Actually, yeah, okay. I think you're right. Okay, that's <laughs> a good chunk of change. That's why I like. I'm still I'm still bad about the physical copy stuff. Like I I, I still buy physical copies of movies. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do to like make that habit more lean as I get older and uh, there is less room for those types of things. But um, yeah, I to pay 20 bucks like for something I can't hold in my hands and, you know, I don't, and like carry with me wherever it just, it feels, I mean, it's, it's more convenient. It's easier. I get it. Like, but it's just like not essentially there unless it's, you know, it's just on a server somewhere and it just like what? kills me. It doesn't, it feels like the idea of ownership, you know? Yeah. Like, like, the, the only thing that I can quantify in that ownership is that I have less money. Like, I have less money now because of that more than I will not own it if the website goes down. That, right. <laughs> that's tough, you know? Cause, uh, or like, you know, like, oh, I don't own this movie because it's on this streaming service. But then with literally the next day, it could be gone to either another one that I might or might not have or, just that it it's not available on any of them and you have to pay to rent it, you know? So it, it's such a, I, I like the tangibility of owning, you know, the physical media, but I say that and I haven't bought one in a minute because I also have a finite amount of space. Yes. So, you know. And that's, that's kind of what was, um, I was talking to a friend the other day and they were saying, oh, you need to go um, check out this. He was like, for some reason I put out in the background this like 80s Stephen King adaptation called Silver Bullet. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've never seen that. And he was like, oh, it's terrible, but uh, it's kind of terribly hilarious if you want to go watch it. And um, I was like, okay. He was like, it's free on Prime. So I'm like, okay, I'll go check it out. And then went like a week later to check it out. No longer on Prime, 15 bucks to rent. And I was like, what? I'm not, he was like, I text him and he was like, don't spend $15 on that. Uh, uh, so I like, I was like, oh, I wonder how much the Blu-ray is like thinking it would be cheaper. And like the only thing you could find was um, like kind of a collector's edition or something for 30 bucks. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to spend 15, I'm probably not going to spend 30, especially if this is just half a half joke thing anyway. But once that seed is planted though, of like, like a, a new thing. thing. Yeah. It's tough to let go of that because it's just like, oh, you know, especially if you've watched enough movies to where if somebody recommends something, it's like, oh, I'll check that out. But then the seed is planted of, well, I was already possibly going to spend this much money. So how much more is this spending than that? And then you go from sp having a day ago wanting, you know, no thought of spending any money. And then you're up to like 15 in your head. I know. Like, I know because I was like, well, I, I want to see it now. purchase. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, 15, uh, 15, no 15 more dollars to have it forever, like physically in my hands? That's not a bad deal. But then I'm like, no, 
you don't need to see this. It'll be up on another streaming server service in you know in in a month or two probably. So just chill. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But you hate this movie, but it's mine now. But it's mine. You know, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, we're already in the movie thing. We might as well keep going. You came out with okay. Well, let me at least go now that I'm thinking about it in a more refined order, I suppose. So Tavern Talk, your show, it's on YouTube, and we'll plug that near the end. But during, you know, speaking of like obviously the pandemic, without being doom and gloom about it, but you know, your show is you watch a movie with a guest in the theater it's a new release then you talk about it record the show obviously but was the show on hiatus at least for a time in 2020 with theaters pretty much not existing yeah um we did um a review for i think maybe two like one for tenant and one for um freaky which was that vince vaughn movie that's actually pretty good i I, I was gonna say i don't mean to like make it sound diminishing it's just like that's one of the two movies you chose to do a review of but yeah you know it went to theaters and uh, it was like okay but um yeah so at the very beginning i i didn't really know what to do um so i did uh a series with a friend of mine who wrote for hootens which is a uh um, a sports magazine here in arkansas um, and me and him did uh, basically a discussion every week after uh, the episodes of The Last Dance that um, aired. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, that'll be that'll be neat. That'll you know kind of tide us over for a month or so here. And um, you know, and it's funny to even think now. Back at the beginning, it was like, yeah, we should be good by summer. Um, but it was like six weeks, six weeks. That's what everybody really hung their hat on, which I understand. And it's kind of like adorable in a way now just to think that of like, man, if we only knew. But then again, we had no idea. Like, we could never expect that. And I mean, and even now, like we'll look back on this in another two years and be like, man, we really had no idea what we were doing at that point either. Because I mean, absolutely. Probably pretty evident given, you know guidelines that are coming out or not coming out now and what we're doing with schools and everything but it's just like geez yeah yeah it's it's a mess but yeah anyway so um i did uh i have a seven-year-old daughter and um, a two and a half year old son so one of the first ones that transitioned one of the first movies that they were like we're gonna go straight to streaming it was the the trolls sequel and my daughter had been like looking forward to that like big time, most anticipated 2020 for sure. And so we did one at our house. We did a review of that. And I just do that with her sometimes with, uh, you know, with animated movies or kids movies, um, just cause it's kind of fun. And she, she likes to, uh, watch the intros to the episodes anyway, uh, when appropriate. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you want to do it this week? And, you know, if she's up for it, I'm like, yeah, it'll be fun. Let's do it. Um, you know, she did a frozen review with me. So we did trolls and we did, um, some podcasts on the last dance, uh, basically, cause they were just over zoom and, um, and, and I did consider like reaching out to different people and trying to do some zoom reviews for, uh, you know, whether it be like Netflix movies that were still coming out or yeah. ones that they were sending to, uh, to streaming, um, or like, you know, a lot of movies went to different, uh, like Palm Springs went to Hulu, Greyhound Mm -hmm. went to Apple TV, like, you know, kind of more event films that were getting a lot of talk out of festivals or things like that. Um, But it was kind of just like, again, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to expect. Um, When we're going to a movie theater to see it, it's easier to coordinate, like, 
this is, you know, you be at the theater at this time and we'll watch the movie and then we'll just film our immediate reactions afterwards. Um, and just trying to coordinate like how this person might see this movie if I wasn't able to get like a free screener for them or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it just became like too much of a hassle for, uh, you know, with everything else going on. So it was just like, okay, well, we'll just chill out for a little bit and see how long this takes. Obviously didn't expect it to take as long as it did. And then it was in May, like beginning of May of this year when um, everybody like had the time to get vaccinated, to let those vaccinations, you know, those two weeks after the second shot to uh, like actually start working and everything. Um, I just started, you know, I have a couple guys uh, who help me every week um, shoot the show and coordinate everything. And um, so they were good to go. And, you know, I just made sure the guests were comfortable with it. They were vaccinated as well and just made it, tried to make it as safe as an environment as possible. Obviously there were going to be other people in the theater um, for bigger movies. Um, Some of the movies, (laughs) we were the only ones in there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, in in May of 2020, we started up again pretty regularly and uh, have been going since then. You know, again, we're kind of in a a moment right now where it's everything's kind of in flux. Um, they, you know, we're starting to get some movies get delayed again. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But um, and, and this time, I might you know be more prepared to like do some episodes over over Zoom with people who. Uh, I, I, if that were to happen again, I would like to do some episodes with people who maybe aren't local and that I talked on, you know, either been on their podcasts or have talked to, like just messaged back and forth with, um, yeah. that would never be able to come and do like the show in person, but like would be a really cool guest to have. So, um, that would, that's, maybe, what, this, that's what this show is. I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> geography does not matter in this landscape, you know? So yeah. I know, yeah, I mean, that's, that'd be really cool. I mean, just the idea of like obviously a bittersweet considering the circumstances, but, you know, knowing that, oh, this could be indefinite. Like who, we, we do not know what, you know, our current circumstances are going to be. So make the most of it, you know, through this prism and get, oh, it's like, oh, now, now that we're going to be online for a minute, you know, for your show in this theoretical uh, possibility that who is out there? And as somebody who does this show, Instagram, everybody's DMs are open. Yeah. And sometimes they completely ignore you. Most of the time, let's be honest. And fair enough. But when they do say yes, sometimes you get really cool people. And it's pretty wild, you know, to be able to talk to some of the people you get to talk to. It's really cool. I mean, that's why we're here. Ultimately. <laughs> well, that's yeah. that was kind of my thought. Like, it obviously would depend on uh, what movie studios and the movie industry decided to do with their releases and uh, you know, everything like that. Cause you know, ours is kind of based around whatever the movie of the week is and, and kind of just using that as a conduit to have a discussion with a movie person or a person who specializes in a field related to that movie or something like that. But, um, but yeah, no, it would, it would certainly be, uh, uh an idea this time around if we were to have to kind of, sh- you know, hut- hunker down again, but, but we'll see. Um, right now, you know, we've got, um, a couple um, guests lined up for January. And then uh, my wife is actually uh, due to have a baby at the end of this month, beginning of February. And last time this happened, I had people come in and were gracious enough to help and keep the show going while I was kind of out for a month or two. Um, So we'll see if that is able to happen again. But uh, right now we're just, yeah, going to try to plan on going forward with it. But 
you know, we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on that. But I know what you mean, though. It's like even with, you know, with this show or any other thing, it's just like, oh, I'm going to do this dot, dot, dot until I don't do this. Yeah. Meaning just depending on the circumstances, because I don't know. It's like obviously the future is always uncertain, but it feels like the most uncertain. So I right. just don't even it's like, what are you going to do? I don't, I don't know. It's like you got to, you know, bend so you don't break at this point. So TBD. But yeah, uh, un- until then, this is what it is. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love to keep doing it. I want to. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's a lot of time and energy, too, I mean, as, as I'm sure you probably know. We talked about, I think, in, in the DM. The show's the easy part. It's just the logistics of yeah, something like that, the coordination. It can be a lot. It's deceptive. You can hear about it, but then when you do it and you just realize, especially when you're doing it through the, the, the prism of trying to like be the most convenient to the people that are giving you their time. Right. It just takes a lot, you know? It's a lot. I, I ask a lot more of my guests than, than you have of me today. So I can't even imagine, uh, or like um, I, I, like, I know I appreciate, you know, you conveniencing me and everything. Uh, and I, I do feel bad sometimes for how much I ask, but I kind of, I try to let people know up front um and you know kind of give them a, an idea of of what we're going to be doing because not only do uh i ask them to like drive to a theater watch a movie like take all this time to do that watch a movie talk about it after but like you're right like you know they, they get a free movie out of it and um and you know talking about it afterward is the easy part it's just the logistics of trying to get it edited and uploaded and promoted um in as quick a time frame as possible to kind of yeah. meet the uh the discussion around the movie because that's another thing with with movies these days is like the chatter around it is that opening weekend and then if you don't have any momentum during that time period people forget about it two weeks later so it's like oh if you're going to do this uh you either got to get it done then or talk about like a classic that people enjoy returning to and uh, don't care when it comes, you know, when your episode or whatever comes out about it. Well, to your point, just most recently, there was like heavy The Matrix Resurrections discourse, and then Don't Look Up came up, and then it was done, done, gone. And and then Don't Look Up one. And granted, this is Twitter based, so it's not reality; it's Twitter. But man, it was fast and furious. Yeah. <laughs> the Don't Look Up discourse. And I know I think we have, you know, relatively differing opinions on that one. You didn't like that one? It didn't do much for me. No. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember. I I thought it was, and this is not in a dismissive way, it was fine. I think there were some things that did not help their message very much for me. And I thought, you know, some of the runner jokes were kind of fine. I don't know. It was fine. It just, it was one of those things where like sometimes you respond to a movie and sometimes you don't. Right. Yeah. And I will admit like unfairly, I was probably in the bag for it ahead of time because like I'm a big sucker for McKay, um, even as he's transitioned. Like I was, I, I told the guy I did the, uh, the review with on, on the channel, um, you know, I was, uh, 18, 19 when Anchorman came out and just was like, it got me. Like it was, I was in the bag from then on and, you know, loved Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and the other guys and all that stuff. And, uh, even the big short, like that was in my top 10 of the year too. I just like that him combined with like DiCaprio, who is just like, you know, I don't know if it's just my generation, our generation or whatever, but it's just like, he's the dude and, uh, not the dude, but you know what I mean? He's like, you know, when I think with DiCaprio, I'm endlessly impressed by him as an actor because he made Titanic and he could have done, he could have sailed off that, you know, he could have gotten any movie made for the rest of his life 
and done nothing to challenge himself, but the roles he chooses, and granted some of them are Oscar chasers, but whatever, he still puts in the work. Right. But he challenges himself as an actor. He does interesting things. I completely, I think he's an incredible actor, an all-timer. And you can kind of sleep on him sometimes because it's like, he's an institution. He's Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. But he's also otherworldly gifted on top of everything else. Yeah, yeah. There's just a, like, you think he's, the one type of thing and then you could go see yeah a role like i always go back to um like wolf of wall street because it's like if you would have shown me that in the early 90s or whatever when gilbert grape came out and it was like this is going to be the same guy like it's like there's no way this guy could have pulled that role off and even like now like he seems, you know, in his like interviews and stuff, he's always a little stilted, a little guarded, like very reserved and stuff. And I'm like, it, it just kind of boggles my mind. He pulled that off so convincingly. Um, but, you know, and then he's also just kind of, he feels like one of those guys who is, you know, like this generation's, I don't know, like, I don't know. We don't, I, don't, I just don't think we like consider it like in the moment, but like, is he our kind of like, James Stewart or Paul Newman or Brand Cary Grant, you know, that, like that type of figure, not that type of actor necessarily, but like that type of figure in, you know, decades down the road. Is that is that how he will be regarded along with like, I don't know, Brad Pitt. But uh, but yeah, I just he's just like one of those guys, like no matter what he does, I'm going to watch it and uh, him doing and I and I also wish he would do more comedy like him and Tom Hanks. I wish they would just do more comedies. Uh, Because I think they have a real knack for it. And uh, yeah, it was just the combination of that. I was like, and again, I was uh, another like kind of qualifier with Don't Look Up was that I uh, was lucky enough to like, I did get to see it in a theater and I got to see it a little earlier. I think I saw it at the end of November. So I got to like form my own opinion separate from uh, like the Twitter conversations and everything that were going on. But at the same time, I was like, I cannot wait for this to hit Netflix and see how, how this winds up. Cause it was like, yeah. <laughs> it's either going to be like, people are going to, you know, I don't know if we can cuss on this, but uh, sure, absolutely go for it. Well, I was just going to say, they're going to shit all over it um, and call out every little detail, which has happened to some extent, like every little misgiving that like, that it didn't get right. Or they, one way or another, it's going to get the people going. Yeah. One way or another. And you know, I should have known, like, it's been pretty divided. Like, as much as The Matrix was, you know, this kind of followed suit uh, in the same way of just being critically and, like, casual viewer division, it seems. But at the same time, yeah, it seems like it's got a lot of eyes on it uh, in the last, you know, what, week and a half or so. So more power to it. (laughs) And if that's, you know, and, and that's, you know, if that's the purpose and that's what they're trying to do, they're trying to get the conversation started in a multitude of ways. And fair enough, I mean... Regardless of whether it did anything for me, there are some great performances in it. It's a, an incredible cast. It is interesting just to see like McKay transition from the silliest comedies possible to like important film director. You know, that's that's a tough road to navigate. You know, so that's that's been impressive. You know, I was just looking. You had your top ten list, uh, which we talked about just briefly before we recorded, and you talked about it on another podcast, which is to say, I don't want to rehash that for you, but we did have a few overlaps. But I do have an informal top 10-ish list. So I'm curious as a comparison. This is based off of my Letterboxd star ratings, which again means like grain of salt. 
But in the moment, this is what I had to rate them. So my top 10-ish in Formula A, in no particular order, Matrix Resurrections. Loved it. Loved uh, it. Did it for me. Hey, I, I, I'm I with you on that one. Like, I, especially the first, like, hour or so, I, I was, I'm there for it. Like, I dug it. I was marveling at it. I loved it so much. Well, not necessarily completely understanding it, admittedly, but, but getting, <laughs> a, also- I think, a pretty good idea of it. And it's such a fun idea and concept and so playful, but also kind of a fuck you in a great way. I, I loved it. Yeah. Titan or Titan, depending on your pronunciation, the French film is fantastic. Oh, God, I loved it. It's so good. Drive My Car, fantastic. Highly recommend Okay, I've got a really like guilty conscious about that one because I started it and I have not finished it yet. And I felt really bad because I was trying to like see as much stuff before the end of the year before I made this top 10 list. And I am yeah, probably I yeah. two, two hours into that movie. Man, it did it for me. In a similar way of like the slow burn aspect of it, like the movie Burning from a couple years ago. Yes, yeah, yeah, just just these big kind of epic in their size dramas that man, just completely did it for me. Come on, come on, the Mike Mills film, Mm -hmm. absolutely loved. I bawled my eyes out. The French Dispatch, the Wes Anderson movie, absolutely loved. I think it's the most. It was really like everything coming together for everything Wes Anderson has ever done in a movie. And although it honestly should not have worked, it completely worked for me. Yeah, I was, and, I've was. Uh, i been surprised that one's getting like, you know, kind of, eh. It's been kind of getting the meh reviews, even though like... Surprising, yeah. Like, just for the... I, I just marvel at that, that man's ability to, you know, frame things and put together a shot and how it moves and um, how everything falls together the timing of everything it's just insanity and just like for that alone and you're right yeah to uh the french dispatch utilizes like every tool in his tool belt and uh it's just it if nothing else it looks and feels magnificent even if like not every vignette kind of stuck with you as much as one of the others it's still just like yeah it's such an accomplishment i remember like premiere magazine years ago when Right after the Royal Tenenbaums came out, they asked Scorsese, if there's any auteur out there right now who, in your opinion, is an auteur that you're most intrigued by and think could be really something, who would that be? And this was mid-90s, mid-late 90s. And he said Wes Anderson at the time. And I was like, oh, interesting. You know, it's like, oh, this kingmaker is saying that. And I was well aware of Wes Anderson even then, but it made me realize, oh, okay, maybe he's even more legitimate than I thought. And then now here we are in... (laughs) <laughs> you know he's not singular in that no filmmaker is singular but he's pretty close to it you know at this point oh I, I mean he's got to be one of the closest I mean, he's just there's no i mean I, I just don't know anybody who's carved out as much of a their own style as he has in such yeah. a distinct way you know like there's no mistaking when it's a wes anderson movie even to the point of like uh, you know, there's been plenty of parodies of it now and everything, but when you see it done by him, it's still just like, God, this is good. No, I agree. And, you know, I was just thinking about, like, the um, the the Twitter meme of, like, this person can make that movie, but that movie person can't make this movie. Right. And, and I think about that with any Wes Anderson movie. You know, like, maybe right. he could do it. I don't know, because he's just so... He, I'm sure he could do a formalized movie, you know, in a, in a more quote-unquote traditional way, but... I don't think anybody can make a Wes Anderson movie. That, yeah, and that, that, to his credit, it's incredible. 
you know, it's incredible. And uh, this one that I think we're going to be divided on, The Power of the Dog, completely okay, did it for, it for me. me. Yeah. Loved it, man alive. <laughs> it gave me, uh, you know, big There Will Be Blood energy, which is oh. one of my favorite movies. So it, you know, I was, you know, in the bag for that. That and the, uh, um, I saw you watch The Lost Daughter recently too. Yeah, watched that last night. Uh, kind of got some uh, vibes, some There Will Be Blood vibes from that in a weird way. Uh, <laughs> it, man, let me tell you, that movie is intense. <laughs> it, it really is. It stressed my ass out. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Stressed me out. And I was just like anxious the entire time. Yeah. Uh, but it's great. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is a hell of a filmmaker already. Dear God. That oh, was... That was- a very impressive debut, you know, very self-assured. The Last Duel, love. Oh, yeah, love The Last Duel. Man, I was marveling at it because I was like, how in, in the current filmmaking landscape did he get this movie made? Because it looks so expensive and it's so specific, you know, like it's not niche, but it's also not for everyone. And it's a very much a throwback in a multitude of ways. But I thought it was great. I loved it. And Adam Driver is one of the best actors out there. He's incredible. Yeah. No, I was just because I wish Jodie Comer was getting more talk for her uh, role in that movie. Just because, like, I agree. What she had to do, the way that, you know, the story is set up and the three different perspectives and everything, and um, just her slight changes from one to the next and everything. I was like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, granted, it was, you know, a Ben Affleck and Matt Damon written. <laughs> thing and like you i'm surprised they didn't sell that more honestly uh like or use that as more of a selling point i think because of the nature of the movie they didn't yeah uh, and and nicole holof uh holof sensor oh yeah she, write it, right? she she wrote it and she's an oscar nominated writer yeah but you know during due to the the nature of the narrative i'm sure they didn't push it as much i'll tell you what affleck though was having a damn ball oh, in that movie <laughs> And he was so fun. Loved he was it. basically playing Ben Affleck as, <laughs> I guess, I, I don't even know. I forget what his position was, but he was like basically a mayor, I guess. Yeah. Man, he was great. Oh, I just, I delight in that movie. No, yeah, it Very certainly much. felt like some type of commentary on his celebrity status <laughs> or something like that. I mean, his first encounter with Ben uh, with Matt Damon is him messing with him yeah. because he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like him. Like him. And even then, I was like, oh, is this what their dynamic's going to be? This is going to be delightful. <laughs> and it, it did not disappoint. Next one, Dune. Yeah. Loved it. Man, just uh, Danny Villeneuve is one of, the, one of the best out there, you know, probably in general, but also like in terms of bigger and bigger, just massive filmmaking. He's pretty special, I think. And I Question love on uh, Dune. Did you see it in a theater or did you stream it? I streamed it. And I did it, yeah, I was hesitant to do it just because that that's like that's the theater movie, right? I mean, that's the theater experience of the year, probably just by the sheer scope of it right that's uh, that was why I asked on that one because i I'm, I'm glad it still made like a big impression, but i I was curious if it was able to do that without having seen it on on the big screen yeah it it is I will say that I was envious of anybody that did see it in the theater because. I got a decent sense of the size of it just on a TV, so I can't imagine the scale and also the sound design in a theater must have been just extraordinary. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, that's what it, like, I had to watch it a second time for me to, because I didn't have any um, idea of, like, story or anything. I hadn't read novels. I hadn't seen the 84 movie or anything, so I went yeah. in cold. 
and um like it was so overpowering on like a visual and just auditory sense that it was like um uh, holy cow um and i love i've loved the look of uh villeneuve's movies um since you know i first saw you know what was it i guess sicario was probably the first one i saw of his um that's an incredible film i love that movie so much um and uh yeah i was short little story about sicario i got to go to the toronto film festival one time and uh sicario was the first movie i saw (laughs) of the toronto film festival and um it was just like it was in a packed theater um and I was like spotting critics who I knew and were like kind of like mini celebrities to me. I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I've read yeah. all your stuff. And, uh, and then like to sit down and watch it knowing they're like in the audience, but like the premium setup as far as picture and sound. And then I see Sicario and I didn't really know who Denis Villeneuve was at that point. I was just like, Holy cow. And I kind of felt that same way watching Dune the first time. Um, and, and my only complaint was like that the story didn't like connect with me um maybe like you know in an emotionally effective way and i maybe because i didn't comprehend all of it because it is so dense um but then i I did stream it um because it was on hbo max and watched it a second time and um was even more impressed not with only how it looked but like how how well they had clearly adapted this massive novel and story into something that was understandable and um it was just communicated very clearly that in a way that i didn't fully absorbed the first time so yeah um sorry to go long on doing there but yeah, yeah it was in my top tens too so but i know what you mean though like um as somebody who has who who during this pandemic has read the first two dune books this one the movie being just an adaptation of the first half of the first book but it was impressive the way that they made it consumable for readers and non-readers without completely watering it down you know yeah uh, it was like interesting uh, for lack of a better word compromises to the story to the point where I watched it with my dad and he didn't know anything about Dune and he completely followed it. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that is, is if, a, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's some, some dimwit viewer, but he's a casual film viewer. You know? Right. Right. So in that regard, it's like that kind of was a specifically was like a, a litmus test for me of how effective they were at the communicating the, some, you know, spice and complicated ideas, you know, a lot, a lot of, of the Benny Jesuit and there's just a lot of things about like, what is this confluence of of sounds that are supposed to be words that I do not understand right. uh, happening? It was you know Duncan Idaho, which is just an incredible name. Mo- Momoa was the best he's ever been utilized. It was the most yeah, like, like jovial, six foot five, big like bear hug of a man, happy guy who also is the most deadly guy in the universe. It was perfect. Yeah. It was everything you could want from Momoa. I think in a very different turn of a movie, Malignant completely did it for me loved it so much also an hbo max uh, available film i think my letterbox uh log on that one was maybe the most rewatchable movie of the year just for the sheer like it's incredible it's, incredible. <laughs> it's so I'm great at it. i was delighted by it like i was cackling at just both um both the sense of like this movie should not exist in, no. in the, the you know in the current landscape of a major studio making that movie and the fact that james wan cashed in all of his 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 aquaman ships to make that that. to make that i'm like oh man respect complete respect (laughs) that's exactly what he did uh and and i i was just so like surprised maybe not surprised but like 
laughing even more so like after we watched it and kind of like started to look into the discourse that was going on about it at the people who like were not getting it like I, it was clear now if you didn't like it opens with a flipping you know yeah. castle on a hill surrounded by fog with ridiculous wow. music and then if you didn't get like by the acting in that little opener and then the the music on the credits and how the credits looked and everything it was the, those opening credits uh it's just like come on it's amazing it was great uh, i loved it i loved it so much i need to rewatch it i only watched it the one time because i just wanted to sit with that initial yeah. viewing because uh, it's almost a movie where like i don't want to unpack it i don't and also I, I don't need to <laughs> i don't think it's just great i loved it so much it made me very very happy and though even though it is like pretty schlocky you know as far as like what you know tone and everything um still james one dude can't help but be stylish you know and like some of the shots in that are great well it's just the fact that to your point it is that tone but it never strayed away from it it never it just pushed harder at it which again respect the shit out of it but also like it's kind of like you know the idea of like uh will forte and mcgruber <laughs> he's doing the silliest shit but he's giving it 110 percent. Right. and so so it's the dumbest shit and he's selling it with every fiber of his being, and that movie was too. Everybody played it well. Annabelle Wallace is fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Go, just going for it. Complete respect to her for that performance, which is incredible. incredible. There's nothing um, better than when people like play the silliest shit as serious as possible. Like, there's just, it's just, yes. doesn't, it's so great. Now that I think about it, another aspect of that movie is that the handsome cop who is ostensibly like a James Wan doppelganger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is flirting at times i believe with his partner and the partner is played by james wan's wife right right so yeah. <laughs> just these layers of delight to it oh just so good yeah she cracked um, me up i did not realize I when i was watching it that was his partner and uh didn't learn that till afterwards but yeah she has some of the best lines cracked me up just delivery was little stuff like that and, and you're like even thinking about it too in that regard like in the matrix resurrections carrie ann moss's husband is played by yes. Keanu Reeves' stunt double. And then the old Keanu Reeves that we see in a shot is played by Carrie Ann Moss's real husband. Oh, I didn't know which that. Which is just, just, yeah. The guy who plays her husband is one of the like John Wick directors, too. Former, I guess maybe still current, Keanu Reeves' stunt double turned extremely successful director. Yeah. Like, right. Well played to you. <laughs> Good job. Uh, I think he might have done Bullet Train next, which is going to be Oh man! Possibly gigantic, incredible cast. Uh, yeah. Last few, I'll I'll wrap it up. But Annette is a uh, an Amazon movie that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had me, lost me, had me, lost me, had me, lost me, and then a thousand times. But it, it's it truly is love it or hate it. There's no indifference to that movie. But I loved it. Curious to revisit it. I don't know what my opinion will be after that. But it's it's very unto itself. And Adam Driver, between that and The Last Duel, and presumably House of Gucci, probably had the best year of any actor, I would argue. Well, and um, I was going to say, so I was not, and this may be like blasphemy, but um, I was not familiar with Sparks prior to seeing Annette. Oh, yeah. So a cool companion piece to that for me was um, the Edgar Wright documentary about them. And I found that really entertaining and illuminating and everything. But um uh, that, that was really neat. It's yeah, I th and I think it's on Netflix now. But um, uh, yeah, that was uh, you know, um, Questlove's music documentary uh, was one of my favorites of the year. Would probably been in top twenty or so for sure. Summer of Soul, 
but um it's on hulu too yeah really could have combined it and and sparks because i thought edgar wright i mean todd haynes had a musical documentary this year too but uh but yeah sparks on netflix now is is it was really cool and something like if you're not familiar with them and have seen annette which is a very unique situation and probably not yes, one is. too many people have been in but really good really cool companion piece i need to watch all those i just haven't watched them yet so i'll have to move them up my list and here's one that i know we shared too the last few actually barb and star go to vista del mar yes there are a few movies that i wish i'd seen in the theaters that honestly just seeing it communally with a group of people would have been the best experience because i think it's one of my one of the funniest movies i've seen in the last few years i think it's incredible i think it's so funny and very much is a companion piece tonally i think you know outside of sharing at least one actor to MacGruber, which is my favorite comedy period. Very uh, true, yeah. They're very, you know, every form every form of comedy, just serious performances selling the silliest shit possible. Uh, that's everything I could ever want. It's on Hulu. Should watch it. And and I'll just wrap it up with the last one, which you put in your top ten. It's an underseen movie. Old Henry. I really quite liked. Yeah. I thought I had a bit of a turn at the end, won't say anything about that. That was like, oh, okay. Really, really change it. And it's ostensibly like, you know, a play, more or less. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah, I that? love to have the kind of strategy of, uh, and I mentioned this in the in our video, or my video countdown of it, but like, um, just the strategy of casting Tim Blake Nelson, for because he has been kind of underappreciated and undervalued, maybe not overlooked necessarily, but just like, he's always good when he shows up, he's reliable, um he makes every scene better yeah but never really gets the lead and then you see him in this and uh you're just like oh okay cool and uh that that plays into it was just like oh i love it and yeah it was just uh, i i I said this too it was just like it just felt really cool it was like this is a cool movie and i really liked it like took me by surprise definitely the one on my list that was like biggest surprise of the year for me because i had zero idea or expectation going into it yeah, and you know, it's funny you say that too, because like, that's something I'm trying to, for lack of a better word, cultivate more, just I read know, less yeah. about things. Uh-huh. Just to not, you know, just to like, I guess, conjure some form of like relative discoverability of something, because it's so difficult. I say that, by the way, and I actually had that experience this year with a movie. I personally have never talked to anybody who's seen this movie, and it's fantastic. And it's called Coming Home in the Dark, and it's, oh. uh, I believe, a New Zealand movie. Okay, no, I, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's very good. James Ashcroft directed it. I think it's his first movie. Highly recommend it. And uh, I love the tagline. That <laughs> The tagline is, all that evil requires is for good men to do nothing. It's so good. Highly recommend it. It was one of my favorite experiences because I just knew nothing, only that it's supposed to be good. And I think it played Sundance last year. Okay. Is uh, it on anything? I think it's available to rent. I don't know okay. that it's on a streamer. Okay. I'm going to look that up in a second. But speaking of which, have you ever done, like, I think this year I'm going to try to watch a few movies via Sundance. Have you done that at all? Because I know that more of them are doing online possibilities because of of everything. I haven't. um, uh, I uh, have talked to a few people that have, like, I'm part of a, like, kind of a local, not local critics group, but it's called the Southeastern Film Critics Association. And um, a couple of the members are from around here. Um, and uh, one of them, Keith Garlington, uh, who I, he, he writes for in the Gazette sometimes, but also has his own website and everything. 
and he did the whole experience of Sundance um, virtually last year. Uh, I don't know if he's doing it again this year or not, but um, he seemed to, you know, really enjoy it and got a lot of um, good screenings out of it. I know one or two of those screenings, I think, ended up probably on his top 10 of the year list. But um, I would love to. It's just a matter of time uh, or a matter of having time, you know, but um and retrospect is happening at the end of this month, which is probably the yeah. worst timing possible for you. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I know that one movie that is premiering there is is uh, Duel, D U A L, which is from the director, writer, director Riley Stearns of The Art of Self Defense. Oh, I love that so, movie. Yes, I do too. And this one is it's a fascinating concept, I, I'm, and it's the premiere of it there. So I might try to see that one at least. You oh know, man, um, I'm glad you told me about that because I would, I was not aware. And you know, we were talking about comedy and like Barb and Star, and like something we didn't get into really is just how, you know, how so few like big broad comedies there are now. And um, the art of self defense is not in any way like MacGruber or Barb and Star, but it just has such a distinct uh, sense of humor, I guess. And I. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, and so I, d- I didn't even realize he had a new movie coming out, so that's really, that's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is the, here's the premise of the movie. In the near future, a woman named Sarah hears that she is terminally ill. To save her family from the pain of losing her, she opts for a cloning procedure of herself and trains the clone to feel like her. But then Sarah makes a miraculous recovery, which drives her to a new problem. In the society of the future, humans cannot exist for longer than that time limit of their clones. By law, Sarah and her clone must eventually fight each other to the death. That's That's the premise. You know what's funny is it's kind of similar to this movie that came out like a few weeks ago on Apple called Swan Song with um, Mahershala Ali. Have you heard about that one? I have. And the director, Riley Stern, said on Twitter before that movie came out without naming it, but it was seemingly that. He was like, just told about a similar concept to my movie, but thankfully they're not quite the same. And it was like a shoe type thing of like, oh, thank God. Yeah, it sounds like this one, uh, Duel, goes a little little crazier, whereas Swan Song's (laughs) definitely more of a uh, like tender emotional drama than uh, what I suspect Stearns is probably going for. <laughs> yeah, this one is satirical, so it's going to be that. And it has uh, Sarah is played by Karen Gillan. Oh, which awesome. She's, yeah, that's going to be great. Aaron Paul's in it. Jesse Eisenberg's in it. And, um, yeah, Eisenberg seems like that. a great conduit for the type of humor Riley Stearns is, is trying to go after. So that's cool that they're reteaming. Yeah, I agree. And Eisenberg, funnily enough, has his directorial debut premiering at Sundance as well. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a movie with, um, it stars Jesse Eisenberg, Finn Wolfhard, Caitlin Deaver, and it's called When You Finish Saving the World. So that should be interesting. I did not yeah. realize he was even getting into that yet. So that's, that's good to know. It's, I mean, but I kind of felt that way about, uh, he, you know, he's along probably the same lines as Paul Dano. And uh, I really enjoyed his uh, Wildlife, the one he directed a couple of years ago. Um, that was that kind movie. of his directorial debut. So you never know. It could be good. When You Finish Saving Paul. the World, is that what you said? When You Finish Saving the World, yeah. It's uh, Julianne Moore, Finn Wolfhard. Uh, the Kate, Caitlin Deaver's not in this. What I was reading from was the it, it apparently was an audible original podcast before becoming a movie. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, it's a comedy drama, so that should be interesting. Okay, we're running up against what I promised you, 11 Wise. 
I could talk movies and stuff like this all day. So yeah, agree. I feel like I got to do a hard cut off, or I'm just gonna go, and then we're four hours later, and everybody's lives are disrupted. So before we do abruptly, admittedly, wrap it up, what all do you want to point people toward before we do that? Uh, like you know, we kind of touched on earlier. I have a uh, YouTube channel called Tavern Talk that, like we said, it is kind of a an interview, not necessarily an interview, but just a conversation around um, a new release each week. We usually talk about the biggest release, but it's uh, a little unique in that we shoot at the movie Tavern in Little Rock. We watch the movie there, and then right after, uh, we film a review of what you know our initial reaction. That was the original kind of name of the show, because originally uh, myself and a friend from uh, college, we were both kind of in the film program, started it at the uh, Chanel IMAX Theater. Um, before it was bought by AMC, and uh, yeah. they they weren't going to allow us to do that there anymore. Um, so Movie Tavern was kind enough to pick us up and say, "Yeah, you're more than welcome to do that here." And so we kind of rebranded as Tavern Talk. And uh, but then he had uh, he moved to Northwest Arkansas for a job opportunity, which kind of uh, was the catalyst for inviting different people every week. And um, it's just been really cool, like I said, to meet a lot of people in the in the uh, Arkansas film community and, and get them on there and not only talk about the movie we just saw, but movies in general, what they're up to, what projects they're working on and you know, what they hope to do. And so, yeah, it's just been a uh, really neat and um, just really enjoy it. We try to, you know, flex our um, filmmaking muscles a little bit. Cause honestly, this is, you know, have a day job and a family and everything. And, uh, but I've always loved making movies and writing and things like that. So this is kind of my, my own creative outlet. And uh, so we try to to flex those muscles a little bit at the beginning of each uh, review. If the guests are up for it, we include them as well and do like a little skit that pertains to whatever movie we're talking about that week. Um, and it just is a little something extra, a little something fun to uh, make the review stand out that much more. But yeah, uh, it's called Tavern Talk. If you're interested, um, Certainly look us up on YouTube and we're on all the socials too, the Instagrams, Facebooks, Twitters, TikToks, all that good stuff. Um, follow us on all that and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. I mean, it's it's all, like it's all a win. You get to watch a mo- new movie. You get to have the theater experience. You get to have a conversation, meet a new person, especially right. a person with similar interests for the most, you know, predominantly. Yeah. Or, I don't know, it's just all the win. Like that reminds me of, you know, its own way, like this show is like, we're here now because of it. It's all a win. It's great. No, exactly. That's exactly it. yeah. And hey, you you tell you know you give the word and and uh, you're more than welcome to come hang out and see a movie and and shoot a review and all that good stuff. You just you just let me know what you're interested in and we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay, awesome. I really appreciate that. And uh, absolutely, yeah. To your point, YouTube.com/slash Initial Reaction Reviews. That's for it. that. And then the varied, uh, and I'll put all the the links and things in the actual, uh, I I guess you would have seen this by now, comma, listener, exclamation point. (laughs) But uh, that's already going to be in there in the actual, like, show description. So there is that. Thank you again for doing this. This was awesome. This was Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Like I said, you know, uh, I've literally made an excuse, like, to talk movies with someone every week. Like, (laughs) the show is an excuse to do that. Um, not just to go to the theater, but like to talk about them afterwards. So yeah, yeah. this was a pure joy and I really, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This is like a no brainer. I'm glad we could finally <laughs> make it happen. And, uh, thank you all for listening. As I subtly transition, take care, stay safe, 
you know, get vaccinated if you're not, get boosted if you're not, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) 